0: Hi, everybody. Welcome to the latest edition of Volley. I'm Carol in April, and as always, I'm looking for my good friend, Seth Robinson. Seth, you out there?
1: Hey, it's been a while since we've talked.
0: I know. We skipped a week there, didn't we? Yeah,
1: there were circumstances beyond our control, and it almost happened again today. You were sending me messages saying things were happening with your car and whatever, and...
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. A simple oil change this morning turned into uh, needing a new battery. And um, and you, you, the list goes on and on. It was just one of those um, stereotypically bad car maintenance experiences. But I made it. Here I am under
1: the wire. Oh, good. Good. Yeah. And sorry to hear about the car. I, I actually had that the last time I went in for an oil change. You know, I... Uh, went in, do you think you're going to be in and out and all of a sudden you're looking at
0: them working on the car and it's like something is not well, going and right there. They've got you hostage at that point, you know, yeah. I was like, oh. they're like, do you want us to replace this battery? I said, well, can I leave without that happening? You know, I, I didn't really think there was a choice here. Um, but all good. All good. I, I had to get the car tuned up because my daughter's taking it to go to a concert tonight that's uh, in Providence, Rhode Island. So it's a couple hours from from here in New Hampshire uh, so I wanted to make sure that she was safe and on the road. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, hopefully, uh, hopefully right. she has no issues then. Let's hope not. Let's hope not. So we have a guest today, don't we, Seth?
1: We do. We have another guest here on Volley. And the last time we talked, we actually had Teresa Varela talking to us about skills gap stuff and kind of the employer side of it and what businesses mm-hmm. are seeing and what they're trying to do. And so today we wanted to talk about the other side of it, for the, you know the people that are looking for jobs uh, and and what they're trying to gain for skills and how they're trying to do it. Um, so we are very happy to welcome David Hyman today. David is the president of the Center for Technology and Workforce Solutions, uh, and I'll I'll let him tell us a little bit more about that. So David, welcome to the podcast.
2: Hey, good morning. Hi, how's everybody doing? All righty, welcome.
1: Thank you. We're you good. Any car any car trouble for you, David?
2: <laughs> no, thank goodness. Um, and nor do I have teenager trouble. So I'm two for two here. Good. <laughs> yeah, good. yeah.
1: So, so, David, um, over the past couple years, we've had a lot of different guests from CompTIA that have kind of showcased all of the different things that we do under the CompTIA umbrella. And your center is actually yet another thing that's happening under the CompTIA umbrella, kind of in a different way, a um, little bit more independence. Um, so maybe, like I said, you can just kind of fill us in on that, uh, what the, the mission is and, and what you're trying to do.
2: So the center is is focused on how to get more people into tech and tech-enabled careers, do that with equity, and get folks ready for jobs of the future. We feel the best way to do that is to build community by bringing folks together and talking about uh, the issues that are are facing everybody, defining terms, uh, so that as we do talk to each other, we're actually speaking the same language, uh, talking about the same things, And uh, curating best practices, because we know that there are lots of really good programs out there uh, locally, regionally, et cetera. And we want to uh, curate those those programs and best practices and make them uh, readily available to as many people as possible. Because we know that there's 800,000 jobs a year going unfilled in the tech industry. And we need to do something about that because everybody right now that wants a career in tech and has the the skills for it, they've got it. And yet we're, we still have this large gap. So how do we get more people into the pipeline ready to go with the skills they need for a really good career?
0: That 800,000 is a staggering number. Uh, I'm curious uh, if you've been able to figure out or you know, pinpoint what exactly the, is causing this gap. Um, is it a is it a lack of skills? Uh, is it a lack of he, he people? You know, uh, availability of workers. Is it some combination of the two? Or are we in a transition phase in the technology industry where somebody who was very skilled at a certain technology that was um, a benchmark before is now no longer ready to move into some of the newer things that we're doing?
2: You know. <sighs> I I wish I could hand you my business card right now because on the back of the card, I think is the best answer Uh, at the bottom. It says D, all of the above. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think there is one singular issue that is causing this problem, nor do I think that there is one singular answer to the problem. I can tell you that, you know, we looked at over 28 million job postings last year across all industries and uh, over 60% of the top 20 skills that people were looking for are what folks call soft skills. And I believe when you, when you break that down and start looking industry by industry, it still holds true. So the issue here I think is primarily uh, about skill acquisition, do we have the right skills? How do we uh, provide the right skills? How do we assess the right skills? And uh, that's sort of an educational issue, uh, of, of which you know I'm I'm pretty familiar, having been a teacher for 20 years before this. I I really believe that as as we're looking. At the problems and the solutions they're all going to come through uh, some sort of educational pathway. I want to
1: talk about um, some of those other skills that people need in the technology space but before we do that I I wanted Mm -hmm. to not leave the the technology skills the technical skills that we need because when you talk about 800,000 jobs when we talk about all these postings that we have we've talked about this before on the podcast, that there's this tendency to think it's about emerging technology, that people are looking for data scientists and AI programmers and machine learning and VR system builders. And the the reality is that that is out there, um, and that need is kind of stark because there are so few skills in the area, but that's not how you get to 800,000 a year, right? You know, that number is including a lot of what we would think of as relatively traditional IT skills, just because everyone is increasing their technology usage. So as much as there might be cloud computing, I'm guessing you still see a lot of demand for things like server administrator or network administrator because people still need the stuff to be working at their local office as well, right?
2: Oh my goodness, absolutely. And there are so many other types of technology jobs that don't involve those skills that so many people are hesitant to, to look at because they they think they're so far above my abilities. Um, you know, there there are plenty of tech jobs that don't have a lot to do with the, the the cyber security analysis, the red team, black team, you know, testing, uh, pen testing, the 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 really intricate stuff. There's there's plenty of help desk jobs that are going unfilled. And if you've got people skills, you're three quarters of the way there. So there there's a lot of re education. To be done in terms of getting people to understand that you don't need to be some super math wizard or you know some some geeked out tech person in a, in a dark room somewhere uh, there there are so many jobs out there to to fill so many different types of of people's work so yeah there's plenty
0: it sounds like soft skills are a big deal, and we may have made a mistake of putting people in lanes where they don't become more well-rounded as they get their education. So the, you know, the, 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 the super techie engineer type um, who can't get up in front of a room and, and, and give a, a, a presentation, for instance, or, uh, or work well with others or whatever it happens to be, I guess it sounds like that may be the sticking point right now. And so the well-rounded candidate is the one that's going to get the job, and they'll leave a job open. An employer will until they find that particular candidate
2: absolutely Um, you know it's it's expensive to hire somebody and get them assimilated into the work and if if that doesn't come to fruition well there's there's money that is not recouped so employers are going to be very careful about who they hire and how they hire so yes soft skills are I think uh, an elemental key to success here. And you know, I, I just uh, was uh, moderating a round uh, roundtable discussion in uh, at George Mason University uh, yesterday. And the discussion was with a whole bunch of empl- uh, employers in the Virginia region and educators at George Mason and folks who are relatively new to uh, their work and careers. And the discussion was about soft skills primarily, and how do we quantify, how do we validate, how do we provide those skills, why are they so important, and what do we call all of this stuff? And one of the things that I think we need to do is move away from this idea of soft skills. Because there are a number of skills that people refer to as foundational. You know, can you read and write and work numbers to a certain grade level? That's what people have traditionally felt is foundational. But when you talk to anybody now, what you're hearing is these skills, these interpersonal, these social, these professional uh, employability, there's a dozen different names for what you what we have just called soft skills. They are, in fact, foundational skills. It doesn't matter what job in the tech industry. It doesn't matter what industry. If you have these skills, you have a much better chance of succeeding at whatever the job.
1: Yeah, I know, I know we've been looking at that. So many people call them soft skills. And, and like you said, there are all these other terms out there because we, we don't want to diminish what they are. Uh, they are foundational or they're, they're requirements for these jobs. And so you can go with professional competencies or whatever it is. And it, it kind of almost gets back to the whole STEM versus STEAM discussion where people don't want there to be too much focus on Just STEM stuff, just the technology. And I think, especially as we're seeing the way that technology is integrating into society, and we need that humanity aspect of it, we need the ethical aspect of it. It can't just be about the technology. Uh, Now, I, I think sometimes the pendulum swings the other way, and we want it to be all about soft skills um, in or professional competencies you know in some of these discussions and there always has to be you know that balance but i think we're seeing more and more why it's important and and we talked about this with teresa on on the previous call and definitely employers are saying we need those well-rounded candidates now i was wondering david how much has that message gotten to job seekers? How much do they understand that they need to be seeking out those educational pathways that give them a little bit of each? Because I come from an engineering background, and I know that a technology curriculum is going to tend to focus a lot on the technology, and there's a lot of pieces of technology that have to be in there. And so to work in some of these interpersonal skills or communication uh, is a bit of a challenge. And so if the candidate isn't actively looking for it, they they might have a little bit of trouble finding it.
2: Sure. Look, there's I, I think there's two different groups of, of people that we're talking about. There are um, folks that are just out of the educational system, uh, all the way up to transitioning workers, uh, displaced workers, uh, you know, adults, and that group there... Um, they have some very particular um, issues in terms of where does one go to get um, these skills, whereas uh, young people who are in school now, middle school, high school, in college, um, they're in a situation, they're in an institution that is uh, in many ways providing those skills, whether overtly or secondarily. So. I I think what we need to do is continue to find ways to provide skills to adults who don't have them, to to create programs, to create tools, methods for people to improve on their skills. But we need to spend a, a good deal of time making sure that our educational institutions from elementary and middle school on up are instilling very overtly and clearly these foundational skills because if we don't do that now we will always be working to i don't want to say fix but always be working to help these older transitioning folks to improve their their skills. And it's easier to do it within the educational institution and with younger people than it is to try and, um, you know, I'm speaking as as one myself, um, it's easier than it is to try and teach an old dog new tricks.
0: Now, I couldn't agree more with that. Uh, I think it's, you know, things like effective communication um good writing skills interpersonal things that we've talked about here that that stuff is learned i see it in my kids i think the schools at least the schools here that i have two teenage well i have a college student and a high school student and i saw through their education that they were learning those skills um they do take public speaking classes they do get you know they've learned and 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 yet they get they have all the basic math and everything else that's going on but I could imagine being somebody my age, middle age. I won't give it away, but who had <laughs> to this point, you know, only you know, labored in in uh, in a job where I was not required to actually collaborate in that way and have those types of skills, which it, they're very squishy to define, but we all know what they are. Um, yep. uh, to try to teach somebody that at uh, at mid career, uh, can, I can't imagine that that's easy at all. Right.
2: Right. And, you know, we still need to do the work to you say they're very squishy and hard to define, but we have to do a better job of um, making them less squishy and making them easier to define so that we can help people um, to, to gain those skills. And we can help people to prove to employers I have those skills.
0: Yeah. They're hard to quantify. I guess that's what it is. You can see, you know, you can have a certification in a particular technical, uh, area and you can, and that's easily shown to a potential employer and to prove that you have Mm -hmm. the acumen in that area. It's, it's more difficult to quantify the soft skills stuff.
2: It is. And that's one of the things where we're really trying to focus on at the center is there, there are some tools out there. There are some assessment tools that do seem to be successful to a certain degree. There are people that are working on trying to define better these skills. And so we're, we're, we're working to, to um, amplify that work because that's really important.
0: So where, where are you seeing some positives today uh, in a particular industry with a particular demographic as it comes to, to hiring? I mean, what's some of the good news that you're, you can share with us?
2: You know, having been a teacher for 20 years, um, I always sort of default to uh, kids and they are always for me the best news. And, and I would say this, the Technology Student Association is uh, an absolutely amazing group. They've been around for 40 years. Nobody that I speak to, you know, who, the the TSA, aren't they at the airport? And the answer is yes, that's the other TSA. This one has 250,000 middle and high school students in their school programs across the country. They've been doing this for decades. And they've been providing a space for kids to gain technical skills and, and find each other and, and create uh, communities, school-based, that goes to regional and national levels with competitions. But what I find so important about their work is they are very clearly including a leadership component in their work. Uh, it, is, it is infused into everything they do that the kids need to uh, acquire those skills that you were just talking about. The leadership, the ability to speak in public, the ability to show up on time and look the part, uh, all of that stuff is very, very important to the TSA. So... What I'm seeing is hundreds of thousands of kids every year coming through this program and out into the workforce, really prepared to to do whatever they need to do because they have the skills, they have the experience. And so I'm very excited about that cohort.
1: So, David, with your with your work with them, and and thinking about where we want to attack some of these problems, and, and the fact that we need to start attacking them early, you know, we've got a lot of data on youth and technology heading towards technology careers, and I, I think we've kind of started to define that there's this two pronged approach. You know, on the one hand, you can say we need people in hardcore technology positions and they need to have some of these professional competencies and and that whole education path needs to be discussed. But the other angle on it is that whatever job you're going into you probably need some kind of technical literacy and you know they're two very distinct things because i think when we're talking about the hardcore technology job and we we want to say that we want like a middle schooler or early high schooler to understand that this career path is open to them some of the reaction to that is that at that age I don't think they a lot of kids really understand the wide variety of career paths that's open anyway. they do, They just have very high level on understanding of some of the sectors that they could go into mm-hmm. um, but even at that age, this technical literacy thing is a piece that probably needs to be there. And then at least gets them set up for if they do decide to start specializing in a hardcore technology job. So are you are you kind of seeing some need for improvement in both of those areas?
2: I would say that uh, Gen Z and to a large part the millennials as well are um, digital natives to begin with. So there is a base that these kids Kids have that I never had um, uh, in terms of understanding technology in general. Um, I think part of the answer is rephrasing what you're talking about in terms of career pathways. I know that so many kids coming out of school now, they're not looking for the same sort of career path that my dad had, or. Um, to a large extent that I've had, that, you know, you get on this one path and you head in this one direction and 30 years later you get a gold watch. That's not their idea of a career path. um, They're much more interested in making a connection to an organization where they can move not just forward, but laterally and diagonally, and see connections across spaces. So when we talk about career pathways, I think, you know, you mentioned, when kids are young, they're looking at categories in a very broad way. Uh, I'm, I'm, I I love working with people and where does technology and working with people interface as opposed to I love working with numbers and formulas. Where does technology and that match up going forward? I think we need to stay broad as long as we can, because when you get somebody in your industry, in your company, you can train up those technical skills are a lot easier to instill in somebody than the foundational skills we were talking about earlier so you're you're looking for people who are um, going to be uh, good employees not necessarily just a good network administrator Because that network administrator, uh, three years down the road, may be your cybersecurity analyst.
0: You said something interesting there, David, is that the technical skills, you can get somebody within your organization, and those are easier to skill people up once they're in. Um, One of the things that we keep hearing about is that employers in their efforts to find and fill these these positions are foregoing the requirement for a four-year college degree. Uh, and bringing bringing people in with who have gone to done some technical training or have a certification or may not just may just have a high school diploma and they're gonna bring them in and train them up. but we talked a lot on this podcast about soft skills and one of the things that I think you gain from a four year degree, especially if you have a liberal arts focus um at least from some of it, are those soft skills so are we I'm wondering what your position is on that. I I do believe that you can be successful without a four-year degree in a technical job, but if we're pushing this idea of the more well-rounded candidate and employee, uh, how does that gel with not getting a four-year degree?
2: Having gotten a four-year degree myself um, over, uh, I I will say, it took me 20 years. Um, I don't disagree with you that a four-year degree, going to a college, is a place to get those skills. It is. But going to college and getting a four-year degree is not a guarantee of getting those foundational skills. It's just not. College is great, and I'm not saying we shouldn't be going to college. I think college is absolutely... A valuable experience for a number of reasons. But we should not be thinking of college as the only place that one gets those skills. My degree is one that I created myself adolescent development through experiential education. And as I explain it to folks, it is the education that you get outside of the classroom. And these particular skills, these foundational soft skills, are the perfect example of that we start gaining those skills literally the first day out of the womb. And all through our lives, we have those learning opportunities. So to say that college provides those skills, yes, you are correct. But it is not the only place, it is not the only time. And quite frankly, I've spoken to a lot of college kids who have said the those skills They didn't get them in the classroom. They got them at college, outside of the classroom, in the dormitories, on the ball field and plenty of other places. So I don't want to limit us by saying college is yes or no. College is one choice of many choices that can lead to success.
1: Well, uh, David, that's been a, it's been a great conversation, uh, and I think this really has been a good complement to some of the other conversations we've had with Theresa and with others talking about, like I said, the the demand side and what employers are looking for and what they want to see. Uh, you've done a great job of kind of laying out uh, the challenges that that some job seekers and students are facing uh, as they want to pursue these careers, uh, and some of the things that that you're doing to. try to rectify the situation so any any final thoughts here as we're wrapping up
2: oh i've got so many thoughts but (laughs) i'll leave you (laughs) i'll leave you with this um i want to thank you both for for having me on today it's so important that there is communication that builds community that we're talking to more and different people all the time. And this is a great opportunity to do that. So thank you. Uh, And lastly, um, I would invite anybody and everybody to please visit our website at uh, www.ctwsolutions.org. Come check out the papers that we've got, the links that we have. Follow us on Twitter and LinkedIn. Um, Get connected and be part of the conversation. That's the important part.
0: You can include that in the show notes, right, Seth?
2: I definitely will.
0: Excellent. David, it was You
2: guys a- are the best. It
0: was a pleasure having you today. Thank you so much.
2: You bet. Good luck with your car. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right. We'll talk to you later.